sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. What signs would you look for to see if perhaps we might be in the end of the age and should be preparing significantly for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at quite a number of those, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, but it will only be convicting to those who have ears to hear. That's why the Bible says over and over again, Jesus said, the Apostle Paul said, uh, the Apostle John, witnessing the apocalypse or revelation of Jesus Christ, said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Well, uh, not everybody has an ear to hear, and that's unfortunate. But I know that you have an ear to hear because that's why you're listening to the program today. You want to hear even if there's something in you that doesn't want to hear. Yet, there's also something in you that wants to hear. And when we have that want to, there is a strong likelihood that it's going to be life-changing uh, for us. And that's why we're here on the program today. I'm glad that you have joined us. For our Roman Catholic friends, you might be interested in this particular piece that came out today. Pope Francis warns Jesus Christ followers not to convert non-believers. He said to convert non-believers is a pagan activity. That's correct. Pope Francis said that to convert non-believers to Christianity or to Christ is a pagan activity. Now, I would ask you a question as to why you think he might say such a thing. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because we're not going to spend our time right now focusing on that. But we're going to come back to it because it is of critical importance as we look at the series of developments around the world that reveal in a very significant way the time that we are actually in. Another archbishop affirms and defends unbiblical gender ideology. An official of the Church of England has refused a request to trash the religious organization's transgender affirming guidance for its schools. It is Christian concern that reported that Justin Welby, an archbishop, has instead affirmed the guidance that is called valuing all God's children. And so, this situation in the Church of England is such that you have to wonder whether this is a church at all. And how can it be called a Christian church when it totally rejects the statements of Jesus and the apostles and also the prophets and Moses himself. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to see how, in fact, uh, this situation is multiplying in so many different areas. For instance, this article came out from Britain again. The first non-binary Church of England priest says 
God guided me to the truth. To what truth? Britain's first non-binary Church of England priest came out to their spouse and three children after having a revelation from reading the story of Adam and Eve. The Church of England's first non-binary vicar said it was difficult when they came out to their wife and three children after having a moment of revelation while reading the story of Adam and Eve. Now, notice, he, she, came out to her wife. Bingo Allison, age 36, who defines as gender queer and uses the pronouns they and them, experienced an epiphany seven years ago while reading Genesis 1 to 3 in the Old Testament. The vicar who works in Liverpool said they came to terms with their gender identity while reading the story and realized there's space in God's creation for change and transformation. Just because you're created one way doesn't mean you can't live another. Bingo said that their wife found things difficult when they first came out because obviously you marry what you think think is a straight guy and obviously things are more complicated than that. Bingo described coming out as a gradual process for me and my family. They said, I'm married, and I've got three children, and it was really important. Give some time letting them understand about me before I emerged on the world. We taught them about trans people before I came out, so... It wasn't a completely alien thing for them. Britain's first non-binary Church of England priest says God guided me to the truth. That is, that you can change your sexual orientation. You can change who you are. You can change who God created you to be. You're free to do whatever you want to do. That's the message. What does that tell you? What is that telling us here today on the near edge of the second coming? That we are on the near edge of the second coming, friends. That people are using the name of the Lord to deceive many. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said would happen? He said in Matthew chapter 24, that many would come in my name and deceive many. Many would come in my name. That's what these folk are doing. They're coming in the name of the Lord and deceiving many. Church of England, Wednesday, said it refuses to back same-sex marriage. Well, yes and no. They refuse to back same-sex marriage but are allowing the church to bless, that is, marriages that are not called marriages. In other words, if you want to live together, you can live together and we'll bless that relationship, but we'll just not call it marriage. This is a way of rejoicing in diversity, they said, and welcome the way of reflecting on it in the life of the church. This came from the leader, Dr. Welby. 
Things are not well in England and Wales. Same-sex marriage has been legal in England and Wales since 2013, but the church did not change its teachings when the law changed. So the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, the spiritual leader of the Anglican Church, which is supposed to be the conservative, you see, the Episcopal Church came out of the Anglican Church, and the Anglican Church is supposed to be the conservative example of the Episcopal Church. Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, the spiritual leader of the Anglican Church, acknowledged that the proposals will appear to go too far for some and not nearly far enough for others. But this response reflects the diversity of views in the Church of England on questions of sexuality, relationships, and marriage. How about the relationship between the Church of England and the words of Christ? What would you say? Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Are we seeing the signs indicating that we are moving very, very rapidly toward the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the age? That's what we're looking at here today on Viewpoint. We're looking at a variety of different indications based upon the Bible, based upon the scriptures, based upon the word of God to determine what period of time we really are in. So, You recall the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 talking about how when they knew God, they refused to glorify him as God, and as a result, their foolish minds and hearts become darkened. And as a result of their foolish minds and hearts become darkened, they begin to exalt themselves as equal to God or superior to God, and they begin to indulge in all kinds of Perverse activities, beliefs, and ways. Actually, he goes on to write in Romans chapter 1 that the men begin to treat men as women, and the women begin to treat women as men. In other words, they live in sexual perversion, lesbianism and sodomy. Then, as if that were not enough, The Apostle Paul concludes that chapter by saying the problem is not just with those who do those things or engage in those behaviors, but it's also with those who approve them or go along with them. And they are equally culpable before God as those who do them. Are we not in that age right now? Well, indeed we are. We're exactly in that age right now. And it's happening in major ways all across our world. In America, in England, in France, throughout Europe, everywhere. It is unbelievable. And one wonders, how long can God put up with this? 
How long will he put up with it? What would you say? If you were God, what would you do? You probably have heard about the Philadelphia Flyers defenseman, Ivan Provorov. Provorov. He refused to take a pregame skate Tuesday night this week in the team's LGBTQ plus warm-up jersey, citing his preference to, as he said, stay true to myself and my religion, which, by the way, happens to be Russian Orthodox. He said, I respect everyone, but he was the only player who refused to participate in Pride Night. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you were Ivan and your entire team was going to engage in this uh, uh, pre-game LGBTQ warm-up requiring you wear a jersey celebrating the practice of homosexuality, what would you do? Would you do what Ivan did? knowing that you could actually be kicked off the team. He had no idea what would happen. He just knew, he said, that he had to stand true to himself and his faith, what he believed, based upon the Bible. Well, you can imagine the hysterics that his so-called apostasy from the religion of LGBTQ worship sparked among the so-called enlightened sports commentary. I'll tell you, it was nasty. Saying that he was hiding behind his religion. But they used all kinds of bully tactics, as they always do, to try to demean, rather than respect, to demean. When these amateur theologians declared that dissenters are hiding behind faith, they're not only arguing that religion is a mass for bigotry, but that no genuine faith could possibly have a problem with the cultural norms that have been adopted concerning the approval of the practice of the perversions of lesbianism, bisexuality, sodomy, and on and on and on it goes. Now, of course... Many Orthodox faiths, not only Russians, but Orthodox Jews, Catholics, Muslims, Lutherans, and, actually, Evangelical Christians believe that same-sex relationships are sinful. Why do they believe that? Because the Bible says so. The Bible makes it very clear. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we should not be deceived, that neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor practicing homosexuals and so on will inherit the kingdom of God. That is, unless you repent. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor practicing homosexuals and so on are going to inherit the kingdom of God. What about that don't we understand? It's very clear. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're seeking first to do exactly what God prohibits. So you're no friend of God. You're no friend of the kingdom of God. You've established another kingdom friendship, and that is with 
the enemy of Christ, who happens to be Satan and his investiture ultimately in a figure called the Antichrist. Are you beginning to see the pattern here? You see, it's very easy for us to take these things that we hear about this and we hear about that. We come, it kind of becomes normative and we say, well, here it is again and so on, but we don't get the full message of it. What we're doing today is bringing together the fullness of these various aspects of the deviance of society in our world today from everything that our Creator requires. That is, if we're going to have any friendship with our Creator, if we're going to have any fellowship with Him. And if you're not going to have fellowship with Him, then Jesus said, look, read John John 15, by the way. John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. But if the branch doesn't bear fruit, then it should be cut down and cast away and burned. It's a metaphor for unbelievers to be cast away, and guess what happens? They're consigned to eternal damnation. We're talking about what the Bible really says. We're talking about the conditions that are revealing where we are and how close we may be to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In Scotland, the police now are referring to pedophiles as minor attracted people. They're not really pedophiles anymore. They're just minor attracted people. So what's wrong with that, being attracted to minors? Well, it's one thing if you're attracted to minors. It's another thing if you carry out that attraction with sexual, perverted sexual behavior with minors. So everything is drifting now. In fact, it's heading at breakneck speed to embrace what God says he hates and to hate what God says he loves. Does that not tell us the times that we're in? Then we have Pastor Reverend Christopher Bruzehoff of St. Michael's Lutheran Church in New Jersey. A pastor and his wife said people who identify as transgender transgender are divine. And he called for Christians to join a campaign condemning transphobia. In other words, condemning, uh, embracing that which God repudiates and hate that which God and and love with that which God hates. That's what he's asking for. The Reverend Chris Bruzhoff, pastor of St. Michael's Lutheran Church, and his wife, Jamie, who described herself as a queer clergy spouse. A queer clergy spouse. Chris can be seen inside his church holding a sign stating, transphobia is a sin while his wife captioned the post, quote, trans people are divine, unquote. Again, coming in the name of Christ, many will come in my name, Jesus said, and deceive many. 
This is what's happening in churches all over the all over the country and around the world. Some are moving more quickly in this regard, but even in many evangelical so-called evangelical churches and in so-called evangelical colleges and universities across the land, more and more they're embracing the practice of transgenderism, of the practice of homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality, and so on. Jamie Bruzhoff stated that her husband's activism is critical as a leader in the church. So she is actually praising and encouraging her so-called queer pastor husband to get on the stump and preach the gospel of transgenderism and that a false idea, that is, those who reject transgenderism are committing the unpardonable sin. Transphobia is a sin, he said, Exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Not only is transphobia, transphobia a sin, says Jamie Bruzhoff, but transgender people are whole and holy. They're divine. It's enough to take your breath away, but this is where things are moving very, very rapidly. Why are they moving this rapidly? It's because, friends, I am convinced that we are on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps you can understand why, over the past, uh, what, three and a half years, I wrote two books. One called Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, and then the latest being Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. When you read these books, you will begin to understand the drama that is taking place right in front of our eyes. And you will be moved not just by the information that you read, but it will grip your own mind and heart to help you realize how prone we are to be sucked into this de- these deceptions at almost every level. Not necessarily to the g- degree uh, of the Church of England, but it's happening everywhere. It's happening in my so-called alma mater, whose motto is God first. We've been watching it happen over the past 20 years. It's unbelievable. Now, let's get back to the Pope. Pope Francis warned that Jesus Christ followers should not convince someone to become a Christian because that would be a pagan activity. Why would he do that? Why would the Pope say to evangelize is not to proselytize, So he told crowds gathered at the Vatican in his weekly general audience to proselytize as something pagan. It's not religious nor evangelical, he said. 
so that others proselytizing, so that others become one of us. This is not Christian, he said. It's to be Christian is just about loving so that they might be happy children of God. Oh, so the Pope does not believe that you must embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the only way, the only truth, and the only life in order to inherit eternal life. That's what he's saying. He doesn't believe that. What he believes is that everybody should just love one another in whatever choices that they're making, accept one another, don't try to proselytize, don't try to evangelize, don't try to get them to believe what Jesus said, what the apostles said, what the Bible says. No, that would be pagan, he said. Really? Maybe we should talk about that a little bit more. What do you think? Stay tuned, my friends. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the host project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. I welcome you again back to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and as we're seeing here today on Viewpoint, there are many viewpoints that are radically contrary to the word, will, and ways of God that expressed in the Bible. So either the Bible is true or it isn't. Either what Jesus said is true or it isn't. Either what the apostles said is true or it isn't. Even Either of the uh, prophets in the Old Testament said what is true or it isn't. So we're we're having we're faced with a position, friends, of making decisions. So the Pope says we should not be trying to uh, uh, encourage other people to become followers of Christ. No, what we should do is love them so that they, they might be happy children of God. Now, how can he say that? Because for him, he is saying that all religions basically worship the same God. That's basically what he's saying. Now, that may be hard to accept from some people that the Pope would say such a thing. But there's a reason why he would say such a thing. The Pope told a group of Christian high school students that they should respect people of other faiths, insisting we're not living in the times of the Crusades. When one of the students asked how a Christian should treat people of other faiths, the pontiff said, quote, we are all the same, all children of God, and that true disciples of Jesus do not proselytize. 
So a Christian should never try to convince others of the truth of Christianity, but should simply give a testimony of consistency and wait for others to ask about the faith he proposed. Now, it is true that we shouldn't be beating people over the head with uh, uh, the cudgel of the Bible and so on, and we certainly shouldn't be threatening them with a sword to convert or die. But that's not what this Pope is saying. He's going beyond that and saying, look, just the mere effort of trying to encourage people to follow Christ is pagan. In other words, we should all just get along and believe what we want to believe because we're all children of God anyway. Really? Well, that's what George W. Bush said. You remember, after the 9-11 experience, within a week or so, he was saying that Muslims, Jews, and Christians all worship the same God. Then he didn't leave it there, but within a few more weeks, he said, and all religions worship the same God. So when I approached one of the leading evangelical spokespersons of our time, in Christian media concerning this at the National Religious Broadcasters Association, I said, how can you how can you support George W. Bush as the ultimate savior for Christians of America as the great white hope of America when in fact he disagrees with the foundational principles of Christ? That He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life that no one comes to the Father but by me. The response of this person who is heard every single day on the the air and has been heard for many years said, well, he's not the theologian-in-chief, he's the commander-in-chief. Really, what a lame response. In other words, you're buying in to an idolatrous idea that a president who purports who is being sold or marketed as a Bible-believing Christian, but who openly and boldly says that all religions worship the same God is not to be held to account by evangelical Christians for what he has said and betraying the very essence of our faith? That's how we get sucked in, my friends. Now, I would seriously urge you, if you do not already have the book, to get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Because what you are going to discover in that book is the vast array of beliefs now that all seem to masquerade as messianic beliefs. There's this overarching sense that this is the moment of time, this is the messianic moment. Israel believes that. 65% of the Jewish people believe this is the messianic moment. But what do they believe about the messianic moment? See, that's the issue. What do all these religions believe? What does the Pope really believe about Messiah? Well, we just figured it out. He told us. He believes that everybody basically is saved. You don't need to tell people about Jesus Christ because we're all children of God anyway. 
So I'm going to try to answer the question as to why he would say that. And I hope you'll anchor your seatbelt, my friends, because what I'm about to share with you is very significant. Maybe more significant than you can possibly imagine. And before I do that, I want to make that book available to you, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. $22 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Again, the book, Messiah. If you don't have the book Antichrist, I urge you to get that at the same time because you'll save $3 in postage and handling to do that. That also is a $22 book on our website, saveus.org. Antichrist. How do I identify the coming imposter? Not by name, but by characteristics, as the Bible describes this individual. We need to understand that. All right, those things having been said, I want to go back and attempt to answer the question why Pope Francis would go so far as to say that all religions worship the same God, which is what he's saying. They're all children of God, so make them happy. Make them feel good. Don't try to proselytize them. Don't try to let them know that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that we need to repent We need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, that no man comes to the Father but through him. The Pope says he doesn't believe that. So what does he believe? All right, listen very carefully. Please, listen very carefully. The papacy fundamentally believes that the Pope is the ultimate replacement for Christ on the earth. That's what vicar of Christ means. The papacy in the heart of the Vatican, which is a geopolitical state, the smallest geopolitical state in the world, some people would say arguably the most powerful because of its uh, do-si-do as a religious or moral authority. So the papacy believes, historically, that not only is the Pope to rule and reign over the world, but he is to rule and reign then on the Temple Mount. And this is the reason why he can wear the triple crown, by the way, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, And so, in this moment in time, with two previous popes having declared a new world order and the need for a new world order or globalism, a global government, to unify the world in a global government, this pope has gone even to much greater extent to not only call for a global government or a one world government or order, But he also sees the papacy as being the arms of safety and unity under which the world must unite. Now, how do you get there? 
How does he see the world getting there? He has to make it easy. He has to say, we're all in this together, and uh, uh, we're all children of God. So there's not going to be any proselytizing because we're all children of God. We're just going to love one another, and uh, uh, we're all going to sing Kumbaya together. And just follow me as the vicar of Christ, which actually becomes the counterfeit of Christ. And just follow me, and I will bring you all together under the mothering arms of the papacy. Friends, with those words having been said, I urge you to go back to the book of Revelation chapter 17 and read it with an open heart and mind. Then I urge you to go to my book, King of the Mountain, the one that preceded Antichrist. And if you have not read it or obtained it, then get a copy of it. It's a $20 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. King of the Mountain. You're going to find revealed there an amazing set of facts concerning the belief of the papacy and how Israel itself has been doing a do do for the past 20, 25 years with the Vatican in order to release authority to the Vatican over even the Temple Mount. The very place where Christ offered himself up for the salvation of many. Yet this Pope says, no, we don't need to tell people about that. We don't need to proselytize. We don't need to uh, tell them that they're sinners. No, we need to make them feel good. Just love them and make them feel good because we're all children of God. What did Jesus say? Many will come in my name and deceive many? How many is many? Six, seven billion people? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Today on Viewpoint, we're taking a look at the events that are transpiring right in front of us just in the last week or so to help us to see the times that we really are in and how close we are 
to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus told us basically what it would be like in broad terms. The apostles told us what it would be like in broad terms. Peter told us, Paul told us, John told us, James told us. But for some reason, we don't seem to quite get it. So here on Viewpoint, I am taking my best effort as a former trial attorney to take the evidence before us and to translate it through the Word of God to help us, uh, shall we say, a a so-called Christian jury to embrace the truth, the fullness of where we are so that, and here's the real reason, it's not for information. It's for transformation so that you and I and those we care for and love will get ready. At least half or more of Jesus' parables were all about helping people get ready and prepare for his coming. That may come as a surprise, but it's true. That's what was on Jesus' mind. What was also on Jesus' mind there in Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, two days before his crucifixion, was the massive nature of deception and how it would govern the world just before his coming. So that the majority of people on the planet would be deceived. Even professing Christians would be deceived. Because they had a will to be deceived. So Jesus did everything he could to prepare his disciples, to prepare you, and to prepare me for these times. It's not about fear. It's about real faith. Now, if you're if your motivation and you're living by fear primarily, that is an indication that you're not ready. So we need to take our spiritual pulse, so to speak. We need to measure ourselves according to the word, will, and ways of the Lord, don't we? Because Jesus said, not everybody who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to inherit the kingdom. Only those who do the will of my Father. Not those who confess his name or my name, but those who do the will of my Father. In other words, yes, we need to confess his name. Yes, we need to embrace, but we need to do more. We need to actually live it out, or it reveals we don't really believe what we say we believe. And that's the Hebraic view of the Christian faith. That's the biblical view of what it means to believe. Now, we were talking about uh, the Temple Mount. Last week, an article came out in Israel National News. The title, The Fight for the Temple Mount. The Fight for the Temple Mount. Another article came out this week in Israel 365 News. Christian tourists at the Temple Mount are forced by the walk to wear humiliating yellow garments. Does that not sound like what happened to the Jews at the time of Hitler in Germany? It's the persecution of Christians. 
in the name of Islamic dominance on the Temple Mount. See, everybody is seeking to dominate the Temple Mount. The Pope is seeking to prepare to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. By declaration, the papacy has already declared it does not intend to rule from the Vatican, but to rule from Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Are you listening? Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain, the epic end-time battle, for it is said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. This is what's happening. Now, we haven't even gotten to the international scene yet, the geopolitical scene, have we? we talked about the moral issues. We've talked about the temple, the temple mount. We've talked about the papacy and the declaration of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, interestingly, this article came out at the end of last week. U.S. to host largest ever satanic gathering. This year, the Salem-based Satanic Temple has announced its 2023 convention in nearby Boston. The Satanic Temple group has announced on social media that Satan Con 2023 will take place at the end of April in Boston, Massachusetts dubbed the largest satanic gathering in history. This year's convention will celebrate the temple's 10th anniversary. Are you listening yet? We're talking about the overarching trajectory of signs, occurrences, revealing exactly what Jesus and the apostles said was going to take place shortly before his second coming. And now we begin to move more toward the geopolitical. From the Russian Times came this headline a couple of days ago. Russian Orthodox Church issues apocalyptic warning. Now, this is coming from Patriarch Kirill, uh, head of the Russian Orthodox Church. He said some madmen believe Russia could be defeated, but this could trigger the end of the world. Any attempts, he said, to destroy Russia could spell disaster for the entire world. That's the head of the Russian Orthodox Church warning yesterday. He claimed that both the international community and Russia are facing very huge threats. Neither would it be possible to, quote, impose on them certain values that cannot even be called values. That is, to impose upon Russia values that aren't even called values so that they would be like everyone else and obey those who have the power to control most of the world. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the Western world led by the United States of America that has become perverse beyond all measure and that Vladimir Putin seven or eight years ago declared to be the engine of perversity and that Russia had become, uh, what were the terms that he used, uh, the moral 
center of the world. Now, that may you may scoff at that, you may laugh at that, but Russia does not intend to embrace so-called Western values. If democracy means sexual promiscuity, means same-sex marriage, means the LGBTQ uh, agenda, and all that goes with it, they say, no, not on our watch. So, they're saying, those are not values. You may call them values, says the uh, Archbishop of uh, the Russian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Kirill. You may call them Western values. You can call them whatever you want. But for us, values are those that line up with the Bible. That's what he's saying. So he said, we pray to the Lord that he enlightens those madmen and helps them understand that any desire to destroy Russia would mean the end of the world. Now, his remarks echo a statement made by former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev on Thursday, yesterday, who warned those countries wishing to see Moscow defeated in Ukraine that nuclear power such as Russia had, quote, never lost a major conflict on which their fate depended, unquote. Should such a nation lose a conventional war, it could trigger a nuclear conflict, he added. Now, these are not idle words. And I'm not telling you that we should run in fear in that sense. This is not about, our, my purpose in bringing this to you is not to cause us to fear nuclear war, even though that would be horrific. The purpose is to point out what the issue is. The issue is the perversity, the absolute moral and spiritual perversity of the Western world that is seeking to join all Western nations, the former nations of the Roman Empire, into a final world government to seize dominion uh, over the world, and to dictate its immoral values upon the rest of the world. That, my friends, is one of the key elements that we need to understand, and it seems that nobody seems to get it. This week, just the other day, we know that... uh, the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, uh, had a headline uh, called Masters of the Future for the World Economic Forum. Masters of the Future. In other words, what they see, these so-called geopolitical elites of the world gathered at Davos, Switzerland, believe that they are the ones who are ordained by whoever to reorder the world and to tell the rest of the world what to do and how to do it. In other words, to establish an entirely new government or order. Now, where are we with regard to that? (laughs) Well, the Japanese minister 
Trade and Industry Minister said last week that a new world order is needed to counter the rise of authoritarian regimes, which have thrived in post-Cold War free trade and economic independence. He says authoritarian countries have amassed tremendous power both economically and militarily. And so he added, we must rebuild a world based on the fundamental values of freedom, democracy, human rights, and the rule of law. What are those values? You see, they keep using the word values, but what it means is you have to embrace the LGBTQ agenda. You have to embrace everything that God says he hates, all in the name of freedom and so supposedly democracy, and anyone who rejects that hates democracy and is an enemy of society. Hence, both Orthodox Jews and true believing Christians become the enemies of supposed civil society. But, Will citizens be allowed to speak freely over the Internet in this new world order? Or oppose radical ideologies in schools? Or question the results of an election? Or will it just be another form of authoritarianism with a PR campaign? Unfortunately, that's what it will be. We will rush from the frying pan into the fire and the ultimate totalitarian regime promised by Jesus and the apostles. Whether you want to call it the one world order, whether you want to call it world government, it's going to usher in a counterfeit Christ before the second coming. Are you ready? Oh, there were so many other things we could have brought before you like Netanyahu predicting massive rise in immigration from the U.S., making Aliyah just as the scripture said would happen before the second coming. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist. And get a copy of the book, Messiah. Those three will help you to understand more than anything else what is really developing before us. God bless, be a blessing, and prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.